This is Dr. What, Dr. Where, Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to further your training and practice medicine in regional Victoria. Have you ever wondered what it's like to start out as a doctor? The highlights, the lowlights, challenges, and unexpected things along this journey. Everything you'll experience as you're starting your medical career. We set up a roundtable discussion with a group of junior doctors who are currently training in Bendigo. Here's everyone who joined in the discussion. So my name's Rebecca Matheson. I'm currently in my third year postgraduate. I trained through Melbourne University and was part of the School of Rural Health there, based mainly in Wangaratta, uh, and then moved to Bendigo for my intern year. So I've stayed at Bendigo Health for the last three years and working towards a urology training program. My name is Rubini Mithanaga and I go by Ruby and I'm in my fifth year of postgraduate training. Uh, I'm a current anaesthetics registrar but my training is in intensive care medicine. I did initially start training in emergency but um, I transitioned on intensive care and I've actually spent five years in Bendigo so all of my training so far have been in Bendigo and I'm moving up to the city unfortunately next year. My name's Jemima. I'm one of the interns here at Bendigo Health this year, so I'm in my first um, year after finishing uni. I grew up in Bendigo before moving to Adelaide for uni um, for six years and then have come back here this year. Rebecca, it'd be great to talk about your experience growing up in the country and coming out here to start your junior doctor years. Was rural medicine always a plan for you? Not necessarily. I sort of I grew up in regional New South Wales, uh, just on the border of Victoria in Albury. Um, so when I had the opportunity through uni to do rural placements at Wangaratta, it was going to be close to my family, sort of the the closest location to that. So I figured it would work well to have their support as I was, you know, going through training. And then after sort of the experiences that I had through medical school in a rural location, where you're, you know, one of a smaller number of cohort and you get a greater number of experiences and opportunities I thought then moving into internship into my career that a rural hospital would sort of offer me more of that as an intern so Bendigo was a a step up in terms of it being a larger hospital with more opportunities than somewhere like Wangaratta but still not as uh, not as big not as fast-paced as the city hospitals. So initially when I started here at Bendigo I thought I would move into something like paediatrics but I've worked pretty closely now with the urology team here for a number of years so it was my first real exposure to urology with that Um, and they've given me great opportunities in terms of my teaching and research and things like that to continue so I've done a number of rotations with them now over the last couple of years. How did the wider range of training experiences play into deciding that career pathway? Um, Just more exposure than what I'd had previously I think was probably the main thing but it's sort of I I guess a bit of a balance in terms of it still is a small team here within the specialty so you get to know the consultants directly you get to have a lot more one-on-one experience with them so as much as it is learning those new things it's still a really good environment for learning and teaching. Yeah, any specialty, like in a country hospital, I think you get more hands-on. Yeah, um, definitely. And you get to know the consultants and, like, their lifestyle. You get to know their stories and you kind of start modelling your own life and career around the consultants that you admire and, like, that's kind of specialty. So I think being in a country hospital, you kind of get almost groomed into what you yeah, like um, yeah, sometimes. So. On top of finding those kind of role models, have you noticed other sort of behaviour perhaps you might want to change or, you know, not embody as well. Uh, I guess you would describe them as anti-role models in that sense. Each clinician offers, like, 
positives and negatives. I mean, no one's perfect. So, like, how I've approached training is that there are elements of people that you can take away. So, whether it's positive or negative, or whether you want to adopt them or not. Um, so, you know, sometimes a person might, for example, a cardiac arrest, they might lead the team really well one day, and you think, okay, they did, their situation awareness might be really great. They you know, name the team members and, like, that was really good and I want to take that away. But the very next day they might be having a bad day and, you know, throw their hands up or shout and, you know, walk out and you kind of take a point to, okay, that's, that wasn't great. I don't have a particular person in mind, but there's definitely scenarios where you go, okay, I would have done that differently. But I guess you get thrown into that a lot more here. Like, I've been moulding more cardiac arrest and things like that mm-hmm. here than... I guess my counterparts in the city would have yeah. from talking to them, but yeah. Yeah, I think like all clinicians are a bit multifaceted and you've got so many different aspects now of what we have to do. So you'd look at some consultants and say, well, the way they interact with patients and the way they explain this is, you know, I want to model myself on that, but I prefer the way that this person operates or the way that they talk to their junior staff members or the way that they teach medical students and that sort of thing. So I think, yeah, there is a range. It's not necessarily, I don't want to be like that person, but more that this is their main positive and I want to take that from them. And I think being in the country, like you you can't just be like very academic, but not a patient-centred person. And like it's it's a tight knit community and you really can't like you have to be more multifaceted like Beck said mm-hmm. um, you can't just be a yep I'm the head of research and therefore I just don't need to worry about that so I think there is that I suppose but yeah mm-hmm. is anyone here from Bendigo I'm from Bendigo I was in Adelaide when I was very very little and my family moved here when I was in year five and they have been here since then so um, I went to school here before moving away to boarding school and then went on to uni and have now come back. What was it like returning to Bendigo and getting into uh, you know your early years of medicine? It was definitely it was something I wanted to do throughout medical school and given that my family's here so I have their um, familial support and as well as having some experience of the hospital dynamics, uh, my mum's one of the doctors here and so knowing that it's a more supportive and friendly community like the other girls have been saying before. So for me that was very important um, in the junior years or my most junior year f- to lay a solid foundation somewhere where you felt um, very supported. If you sort of encountered anything unexpected getting into rural medicine, like has anything kind of subverted expectations or been a bit different than what you, you might have thought of? I think like most of us trained rurally, so I think it's probably not a surprise. Like it's just that next transition into being a doctor here. I don't know if I speak for both of you. Yeah, that's probably the same. But, so I think it wasn't a surprise because like I did clinical years in Mangarata, which is a smaller hospital and then came to Bendigo so it's I don't know if you feel that as well Jamal but so yeah throughout my medical school I I did one rural placement when I was in fourth year but otherwise I was at large metropolitan hospitals in Adelaide and I think that Bendigo Health is a stark contrast to a lot of those to those hospitals They've got supportive units and sort of support networks there as well, but here is something um, more substantial and junior doctors here, I've always witnessed, were far more happy and willing to step out of their comfort zone than they were, not always, but generally at those other hospitals as, you know, the consultant, the top level support is better 
here than what I'd seen at big metropolitan hospitals. That can't be said for every hospital and every unit either, so everything's different. I think we were talking about that recently, sort of amongst our own team, the fact that it is a small hospital, all the consultants at that top level all know each other, so it's not unusual for them to call each other on you know, the phone directly and talk about patients they have in common and that sort of thing, and I think that probably flows down a bit through the junior staff. I think, obviously, I've, you know, I've only sort of been here the last few years, so I can't necessarily compare it to other places, but I think the community amongst the junior staff is quite good here. We do, you know, a lot of events and things like that. There's uh, lots of friendships between everyone and events and stuff that are happening. So I think that's always a good support to have, particularly even though I've been rural, it was new moving here to Bendigo into the area. So that's always a good aspect of things as well. It can be a bit of a challenge trying to, you know, move from different rural health services to other ones and moving a, a fair amount, particularly in your junior doctor years. How have you found that experience? Coming here, obviously, I had some uh, of my colleagues from my uni years that were also coming here as well, which was nice to know sort of a few familiar faces. Um, it was a little bit different coming in because a lot of the interns that were starting amongst my group had been here as medical students. So I did feel a little bit on the outs from that point of view. But you're one of about 30 to 40 interns in the group. So throughout the year, we get to know each other quite well. And so even though it was sort of uprooting myself a little bit, I still find Bendigo in particular is, you know, not too far away from me to travel home if I need to, very close to Melbourne um, to catch up with friends and stuff down there outside of medicine as well. Definitely. I think one of the really big perks of working in rural medicine is the more broader lifestyle as you've described with, you know, not only going out to dinner, but I guess all the amenities that you have on your doorstep here. I love my bushwalking and cycling. So I have really loved it here because it's easy to just go out and do that. Um, and the fact that, you know, COVID restrictions are more lax here now and you can actually go do that. Um, and it's easy to get to, you know, Mount Hotham, Mount like Feathertop to go for a overnight camp. So I've definitely loved that aspect of it. And, you know, getting the junior doctor cohort to come with me, that's often easier as well because we all live very close to each other. Um, it's often easy to just go for a barbecue because you live in a five kilometre radius from the hospital. So definitely there's the perks of those I've found. Have you found that too, Beck? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Not necessarily more time off or anything, but certainly more surrounding and, and things to do and stuff like that. It'd be good to start delving into perhaps some of the challenges you found in your early years. Like burnout seems to be a massive issue as you're getting into the medical field. Have any of you experienced that? I certainly have. Uh, in my second year, this is kind of getting very personal, but um, in my second year, I actually had to take some extra time off uh, towards the end of my second year. And I think it was my HMO year. Um, I became a registrar quite quickly for several reasons and one of the reasons being burnout because I felt as a HMO even in the country hospital like Bendigo I felt like a I guess a faceless doctor that was just a service doctor and I didn't felt taken care of and I think that's that's an unfortunate part of the medical industry um, that HMOs are essentially interchangeable um, you don't belong anywhere so a lot of the work I did do I I didn't connect with the patients and I found it really like I struggled. But when I did become a registrar, you get more responsibility and you feel like you actually are caring for the patients. I think that was taken away as a HMO. So I really, really burnt out. Like I needed about, I think, eight weeks off. And having done medical oncology at the time when I did burn out, I think that was a big factor as well, that 
I felt I couldn't help anyone and I was just going from, I guess, my tick box list mm -hmm. and then going home. Um, so I definitely struggled with that. But I think that's just part of medicine. I've grown from that and I know when to, I guess, call it quits or put my hand up and seek help and actually balance life and work. Um, and I think I, I threw myself into work as an intern, as a HMO, because I felt like that, that was what you were expected to do. You'd, you know, work to the bone and, you know, forget about running, forget about eating, just focus on research, focus on your work, focus on getting as many procedures as you could, uh, try and get a, you know, research paper out of whatever you could, whatever audit you could do, whatever you could do, so that you could progress in your career. Some of those strategies that you've mentioned, in hindsight, do you think those would have really helped avoiding burnout or perhaps minimising the effects of it? Absolutely. I think also separating work from life is really important. Um, and I think I didn't understand that because it's not talked about a lot anyway up until the recent years. And running and eating, actually like the basics, sleeping, eating and running, or like exercise. I, I know that sounds stupid and everyone says that, but it's really hard to sometimes make time for it. And I, I still struggle. Some weeks, like 12 hour shifts and I can't be bothered. I really can't be bothered going out to the lake when it's raining and it's cold to go for that 20 minute run. <laughs> or, you know, it's easy to pick up. Like you have money, so you just go out and buy takeaway because can't be bothered cooking. And you're not getting your vitamins, you're not getting your greens. So it's easy to do, easy to fall into. But I think having an awareness of it definitely makes a difference. Beck and Jemima, have you experienced anything like that either as well? Yeah, I think like the hardest thing about sort of burnout and all that side of things is that it's hard to recognise when it's happening that it's happening. And it's not until you sit back afterwards and go, you know, I was at the hospital 16 hours yesterday and I didn't eat two meals. Like I, you know, had a piece of toast in the morning and then didn't eat for almost 24 hours afterwards. And like Ruby said, we do, you know, 12 or 13 hour shifts and you get home and go, all right, well, I should be sleeping eight hours. I need to have a shower. If I exercise, that's an hour as well. I need to go and get grocery shopping and just doing the maths of how you're going to fit that all into a day is crazy so and yeah. you can't sometimes you can't you go well you know I can I have to shower so I'll have to take a little bit of time off sleep to do that and where you know where is the balance going to be and where am I going to make the sacrifices do you think there could be a broader career-based approach to trying to manage burnout as well there's a lot of encouragement to make a name for yourself and be really the best you can be because it's a very competitive field across the board in medicine do you think sometimes it might be good to perhaps take a little bit more time to prepare research projects or perhaps take another year and do something like an unaccredited uh, year somewhere? Well, that's certainly what I'm doing this year. I'm sort of working casually and part-time um, while I do some research. And it has been nice to, you know, just be able to say no to shifts and go, I really could use a week off and that would be that would be good and I need to catch up on what I'm doing with my uni courses and I need to catch up on my research. But in terms of, you know, when you are working full-time, um, I don't, it's hard to think of what the solutions are. I think having, like, having good supports, having colleagues that can look after you and that sort of thing and can point out when maybe you're not going your best um, is always helpful. But, yeah, it's, um, it is tricky. It's early days for you, Jemima, but has burnout affected you in terms of career pathways? I don't think I've had any burnout, but I've noticed... I've only been working this year, I suppose, but I've noticed that 
something I do, and I think a lot of very junior doctors do, is go home and, and struggle to compartmentalise work and, and um, life. Um, and so take a lot of stuff that happened at work home with you, like not physically, but the stresses of it. And I found that sometimes I ruminate on things or um, things that I think I could have done better. I think everyone's their own worst, their harshest critic and things like that. And I've actually found this year for me, uh, like talking to my my mum the best um, because she's, you know, she's senior and she's very good at sort of saying like, that's ridiculous, stop talking about that or, you know, like literally shut up, you know, and I think for me that's really helped and I've been like, okay, that's not actually that bad, like she doesn't care. Not doesn't care, but is sort of, you know, isn't feeding into that. Whereas I think that's something that you can get in the country here because, like Ruby and Beck have said, you have um, better relationships with more senior staff members and they can offer that wisdom for you because they've been through it and seen it. And for us, or for me, an intern, it's sort of a big step up from medical school. And um, I think sometimes, yeah, it's good to have someone to, to sort of you know reset you a bit which I think helps in turn with burnout along with other things like having a life you know trying to have some balance. Having been a doctor for five years and meeting different doctors along the line I think it changes your perspective on what you said in terms of your drive like to work 16 hours or to get that research project done in six months rather than 12 months. I think it's changed my perspective in that there are doctors that have taken years off, like they've gone and done MSF or um, just taken the year off and just done nothing or, you know, taken that back seat, but they've still, you know, have become a fellow of their respective college and are successful and are like they are competent and they do a fantastic job at work. They are great with patients. That has reset my, I guess... Drive is not the right word, but my expectations, I guess, of myself. So just to compartmentalise that to work is just work. It'll always be there. It's just a job at the end of the day. And I think that was a, that's a bit hard for me to take. It's just a job. But that is important to kind of realise that as well. So I think the older you get, I guess, the more people you meet and you realise it's not everything. Jemima, because you've spent a lot of your life in Bendigo, you might sort of experience this the most, but a massive challenge in rural medicine is perhaps trying to maintain some sort of anonymity or perhaps some degrees of separation from the community that you're living in and sort of practising medicine with. Have you experienced anything like perhaps running into patients down the street or all that sort of thing? I don't think I've experienced the sort of run like running into people down the street any more than anyone else would. But I, I think that as my family's been here for a long time, I think there's some family friends that you might see in a different... Um, you may see them in the hospital or around the place um, for different reasons that, than you have seen them before. Uh, and I think sometimes that, I think, is can be difficult for both parties because they're, they're seeing you in a different... in a professional environment um, and... I've had that a couple of times, but I haven't had the sort of running into... It hasn't been any different. Like, if I'd run into a family friend down the street, it's the same as usual. Yeah. I found... Yeah, my mum is one of the consultants here, um, and I, I found that coming here... Some people either didn't know who... I didn't tell a lot of people that she was my mum, um, but some people, of course, knew, and so maybe a third of people already knew, a third of people um, didn't know at all, and it's roughly, and a third of people pretty quickly found out. I found that sometimes the expectation on me was very high because, you know, you're like your mother, you should know this, especially with 
with her specialty, I found that um, the expectation was quite high. I started in ED and I found that all the ED consultants um, know her and so they were very supportive. Along the way, it has played into some various interactions. I think some are very, very good and sort of positive and others are more, you know, you should, you should know what that is because surely your, your mum's you know, groomed you to know what that is. She hasn't. Um, she's yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's a, a perception that regional training can be viewed as perhaps inferior from people in metropolitan areas? Yes, definitely. Yes. I think there's a perception, um, and it's quite obvious, and it's, it's very out there, which I find infuriating because I don't think I'm an inferior trainee. I certainly have done more here. And I can independently manage so much more at my stage compared to a similar trainee at the same stage in the city because there is more seniority in the city. Like here, I'm, I'm more in the deep end. And yes, I have the consultant at the end of the phone or, you know, maybe at the end of the room, but I am left to manage my own cases or um, cardiac arrest or, or whatever, whatever I'm managing. And I can make a mistake and then recover or troubleshoot and I'm left to do that. So I think I, I certainly think it's a it's a false premise that we are inferior. Certainly it takes a lot, like you have to learn on your own and, and do a lot more on your own, but I don't think we're inferior, but there is a perception. I think a, a few of the consultants I've worked with have said that, you know, working in a rural hospital, there's nowhere to hide. You're certainly under the microscope a lot more than what you might be in the city where you're one of a, you know, a number of registrars compared to being, you know, one of one or two here. Um, you certainly probably get more opportunities depending on the level that you're at, I guess, for more hands-on things and uh, more experiences that way. Thanks to our guests for taking the time to discuss their work and thank you for listening. You can find out more about the study and training opportunities across regional Victoria by visiting monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash SRH. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's more episodes available which focus on a wide range of medical specialties. Find us on your podcast app of choice. And if you're enjoying the series so far, give us a five-star rating too. It helps us reach more people looking at a career in rural medicine. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practicing medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country. To find out where your nearest regional training hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me, and it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health. 